sermon this morning. <clears throat> this morning is a bit of a standalone message. Uh, next week we'll move back into uh, the book of Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 6, where we left off, uh, and resume our foundation series, which I believe will take us right up through Easter um, as we move toward April 9th. But this morning will be a standalone message as we enter this new year, the first Sunday of a new year. Um, and evidently there were some who stayed out a little too late last night. And so um, they may be sleeping in this first Sunday, experiencing a little bit of Sabbath rest uh, this morning. But for those who are here and those who are tuned in online or those who may be listening afterwards as well, I want to preach this message from Joshua chapter 24 this morning, uh, taking a look at um, how we ought live in 2023. So if you've got a Bible in front of you, I want to encourage you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 24. We'll read verses 1 through 15 together this morning. It'll be on the screen behind me if you don't have a copy in front of you. And if you would like to follow along there, you're more than welcome to do so. Joshua chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, we'll read down through verse 15 together. The text reads, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob, to Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron. And I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterward, I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea Come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land. And I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, son, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you. And also the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. I, it was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built and you dwell in them you eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant now therefore fear the lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in egypt and serve the lord 
And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is God's word. Listen, this is a time of the year when uh, most people are looking back on the year that was and looking forward to the year that will be and determining or deciding or at least considering things they would like to be different in the year that will be than in the year that was. Thinking about things they would like to change and things that would be different in their lives. Some people have set goals in 2023, perhaps that they would spend less and save and give more. Others perhaps have decided it's now time to battle the bulging waistline with diet and exercise or potentially lifestyle changes, which tend to last a lot longer than fad diets and exercise regimens for six weeks. Right? Some people have set goals to travel more and to make memories together in 2023. I don't know what it is in your life that you would like to see be different in 2023 than in 2022. But this morning, I want to call all of us this first day of this new year to a deeper devotion to the Lord in the year ahead in 2023. I want to call us to expand our capacity for service and for sacrifice, to extend compassion and mercy to those who are around us, to exercise and reflect the very grace of God in the context of the relationships that the Lord has given us. As a result, I want to title this message this morning, Living a Consecrated Life. Living a Consecrated Life. Let me give you some context before we move into the text this morning. Now Moses, whom God had raised up to deliver his people alongside of Aaron out of Egypt and to bring them into the land of promise, he was essentially exiled from the land of promise, never set foot in the land of promise because of their inability to believe the Lord to give them the land of promise. And so they end up wandering in the wilderness. But Moses has died at the end of the book of Deuteronomy after he preaches a really long sermon and collapses in the pulpit. Okay, And so in, at Moses' death, Joshua takes over leadership of the people. Moses had mentored Joshua, raises up Joshua, establishes his leadership among God's people. Joshua leads the people across the Jordan and into the land of Canaan. And as no sooner than they arrive in Canaan, they begin to see God do miraculous things. Right? They approach the city of Jericho and they march around the city of Jericho, blowing their trumpets and their horns. And what happens? The walls come a-tumbling down, don't they? Right? The walls of Jericho fall. They rout the people. God drives them out from before them. God acts on the behalf of the people of Israel to do mighty and miraculous things all throughout the book of Joshua. And in the book of Joshua, the inheritance is divided amongst the tribes of Israel. And to some were given this land, to some were given this land, to others were given this land. And they take possession of the land that God had promised to Abram and to Isaac and to Jacob. That's what's going on in the book of Joshua. And at the end of the book of Joshua, which we're in, in Joshua chapter 24, 
Just before Joshua chapter 24 and Joshua chapter 23, we're told this about Joshua. Right? That God had given the people rest from their enemies and that Joshua was old and well advanced in years. Not just advanced in years, but well advanced in years. And then further down in, verse tw- in chapter 23, we're told that he's about to go the way of the earth. In other words, from dust you, have, you came and to dust you shall return. He's about to die. And at that time, Joshua summons all the people of Israel, all the elders, all the heads of the tribes, all of them together, the judges, to charge them that upon his death to devote themselves fully to the Lord. And that's the charge that extends into chapter 24 that we've read this morning in our text. And so from this charge, what I want to do this morning is help us see what a consecrated life is, how we get it, and what fuels it. So in 2023, if we're to live a consecrated life, what is it, how do we get it, and what drives it forward for us? So first things first, what is a consecrated life? A consecrated life is this. It's a life that is set apart for service to God. That's what a consecrated life is. The word consecrate means to devote yourself. To devote yourself exclusively to a particular purpose. Now there are some who perhaps are consecrated themselves to education and they devoted themselves to education right they devoted themselves to a particular purpose of either receiving education and being a student or delivering education as a teacher they've consecrated themselves devoted themselves to that purpose there are others who have consecrated themselves to their hobbies right they've devoted themselves exclusively right to becoming a a better runner or a better fisherman or a better hunter or a better crafter, right? Uh, Better sower, whatever it is that they do, right, with their discretionary time. They've devoted themselves to refining those skills and developing those abilities. But in terms of its religious uses, the words consecrate, it's the act of dedicating yourself to the service and worship of God. Consecrate is a word that's used in the later Middle English that kind of died out in the early uh, 20th century. But it's, it's interesting. I looked at a graph this week because it began to slowly rise in 2019 and come back up. That's being used more frequently now. And I think for good reason. Because we need to, we, the Bible calls us to this type of exclusive devotion to the Lord. See, in verse 14, let me show it to you in the text. In verse 14, following this cliff note version, okay, of Israel's history. That's what it is. It's that little yellow and black pamphlet sitting on the bookstore shelf, right? This cliff note version of Israel's history. Joshua calls the people, in verse 14, to fear the Lord and to serve Him with sincerity and faithfulness. He says, my life is about to end, so revere God. Live your life with a deep abiding reverence for who He is and what He's done and give your life in service to Him. Devote yourself exclusively to Him. And He says, do so in sincerity and in faithfulness. Now let me unpack this for us a little bit this morning. That word sincerity that we see in our English translations comes from a Hebrew word that literally means complete. 
complete. In other words, sincerity is a holistic, complete devotion to serving the Lord. It's offering up our whole life unto Him. It's holding nothing back from Him. It is, as Paul says in Romans 12, offering ourselves up as a living sacrifice to be spent for His purposes, His plans, and His glory. It's all of us given over to Him. That's what sincerity is. This complete offering of ourselves in service to God. Now the word faithfulness in our translations comes from a Hebrew word that literally means truth. And truth, as we've said before, is what is real. Right? It corresponds to reality. It has some correspondence everyday realities of life so in other words faithfulness is the outworking of our devotion in the everyday realities of our lives so we can't say listen you put these two things together and you can't say that my life is consecrated to the lord and i'm completely wholeheartedly devoted to him the everyday realities of my life do not correspond to that claim So when Joshua says, fear the Lord and serve him with sincerity and faithfulness, he's saying, have a deep reverence for who God is and offer your entire life to him in such a way that it's evident by the everyday realities, commitments and priorities of your life. That it's a truthful claim in faithfulness. See, consecration is offering our entire life to God. And we can't say that we've done so if it's not expressed in the routines and rhythms of our lives. Listen, let me see if I can break it down for you this way. It would be like someone saying, right, I, I, I'm, I, I enjoy running. I don't know why. I'm sick in the head, okay? Um, I just have a disease, I, I believe. Um, but I enjoy running very long distances, Okay, um, but in order to enjoy running those very long distances, it requires certain routines and rhythms to be present in my life. If those routines and rhythms are not present in my life on a daily basis, then I can't go out and run 18, 20, 24, 28 miles. Okay, it doesn't happen unless there's these everyday routines and rhythms that are present. So what, essentially what Joshua is saying is this, if, 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 if we make a claim that we are a distance runner, right, who regularly competes in marathons, but the only training that we do is lifting the potato chip from the back and flexing our bicep muscle and putting it into our mouth and then chewing it with our jaw muscles here to burn calories, right, then the everyday reality of your life is not supporting the claim that you are a distance runner. You with me? That's what Joshua's saying. He's saying the priorities, the decisions, the commitments of your everyday life, if indeed your life is to be consecrated to God, they ought to reflect that complete whole offering of yourselves that's demonstrated in the everyday realities of your life. A consecrated life is one that's wholly devoted to the Lord. Now, 
in order to have this kind of life, church, in 2023, it requires something of us. And I believe Joshua tells us what that is here. What must we do if we were to live a consecrated life in 2023? And it's, it's simple to say, okay? A lot harder to do, and it's this. It's to choose a consecrated life. See, in verse 15, Joshua commands the people to make a choice. They're commanded to make a choice this day. He says, today, make a choice. And the choice they have to make is between the gods their fathers served beyond the river. Who's he talking about there? If you remember going back earlier into the Cliff Notes version of Israel's history, he said, I called Abraham from beyond the river when he used to worship foreign gods. And Joshua says, you can choose to worship the gods that Abraham worshipped beyond the river, or you can choose, he says, to worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now, or you can choose to worship the Lord God who made covenant with Abraham, sent Moses to rescue them from Egypt, delivered them through the Red Sea, provided for their needs as they wandered in the wilderness, and fought for them as they came into the land of Canaan. He says, you must make a choice. He says, I'm about to die. Choose today who you will serve. Choose today who you will devote your life to. Choose today who you will order your life around so that the everyday realities, priorities, and commitments of your life revolve around that choice. Now listen, we all make choices every day, don't we? We make a thousand different choices every single day. Right? We make choices about what we will eat. We make choices about what we will wear. We make choices about what we will watch. We make choices about how we will use our time, how we will use our money, and how we will use our influence in the lives of other people. We make choices about when we will play, when we will pray, when we will leave, and when we will stay. It's a little Dr. Seuss for you this morning. We make choices about where we will shop, what routes we will take, and what we will buy whenever we get to the store. And some of the choices that we make on an everyday basis are instinctual choices. All right. So listen, I grew up in South Louisiana, the land filled with alligators and mosquitoes. Okay, there are more mosquitoes than alligators, but it's 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 neck and neck. Okay, Uh, but in in South Louisiana, every time it rained and every time it rained and and the problem in South Louisiana is that it never got so cold as to kill all the mosquitoes. Right? They were just there perpetually. I remember sitting in duck blinds right, and in the middle of winter in South Louisiana, in January or December, early January, sitting in a duck blind, waiting for birds to come and light on the pond right, that we were hunting over and looking up and seeing nothing but a black cloud of mosquitoes buzzing above my head. That's how thick they are out in the marsh. And every time one of those mosquitoes would land on the back of my neck, and what would they do? bite me, right, begin to suck my blood, what do you do instinctually, right? You slap the back of your neck, and it comes away with a handful of blood sitting there, right, from the mosquito that you just killed after it was drawing it out of you, okay? That's an instinctual choice, right? When you feel, you slap. 
So some choices are instinctual like that. Others are intentional choices. Because they don't happen by instinct alone. Right? Like eating healthy foods and exercising. That's an intentional choice that you make on a daily basis. Because instinctually, I want 17 Oreo bowls. Okay? Instinctually, I want mm-hmm, some fried seafood. Right? Instinctually, I want rich, creamy, buttery sauces. That's instinctually, that's what I want. So if I'm going to move away from that, I have to make intentional choices about what I will eat. Instinctually, it feels good to lay on the couch rather than, or in the bed for another hour rather than get up and exercise, but I have to make intentional choices to do those things. And so whenever we talk about a consecrated life, we're not talking about an instinctual choice that we make, but an intentional one that we make on a daily basis. See, a consecrated life is not a happy accident. You don't just wake up one morning after 30 years of living with a consecrated life by accident or by instinct. You wake up with a consecrated life by intention, by making a choice every single day. Now notice what Joshua doesn't say in the text. He doesn't say, hey, listen, you can choose to worship the gods beyond the river. You can choose to worship the gods of the Amorites, or you can choose to worship the Lord. He doesn't, that's what he says. He doesn't say, you can choose to worship the Lord in these ways and choose to worship the gods beyond the river and the gods of the Amorites in these ways, and you can take both of those and put them together. Right? You know what that's called? That's called syncretism. That's a big $5 word. Okay, but let me tell you what it is. Syncretism is a worldview smoothie, okay? Okay, so some of you are searching for diets right now, okay? Or you're searching for health foods right now. And so you're reading all these things about smoothies that you can make in the blenders at home, right? Where you put some ice and you put some kale. I don't know why anybody would put kale in a smoothie, right? Beyond me, right? But you put fruits and you put vegetables and you put all these things and you turn the blender on and it mixes it all up and blends it all together. All these ingredients, which by themselves grow apart from one another, they put together and they blend it all up into this new concoction then that they drink. And it has all these health benefits. Now, kale is very healthy for you. I just don't know that I can drink it in a smoothie. I can't get around that, okay? I can put some strawberries and blueberries in there and bananas and all those other kinds of things, but not kale. I can't go there, right? Um, some of you are going to send me kale smoothie recipes this week. I can, I can see it coming already, right? But that's what a syncretism is. It's a worldview smoothie. It's where you take multiple concepts from different worldviews, you put them in a blender, and you mix them all together. And Joshua doesn't say, hey, that's a third alternative. He says, no, it's either the gods of the nations or it's the Lord God. It's, you can't have both at the same time. You can't have a religious smoothie mixed up and blended together. Right? One has to win and one has to lose when it comes to the Lord God and the gods of the other nations, of the other peoples. 
that your fathers worshipped beyond the river or in the land in which you now live. So I've seen a very vivid illustration of this every time I've traveled to South Africa and perhaps none more vivid than this last time that I was there. The Zulu people, the native Zulu people in South Africa, they blend their traditional ancestral worship with Christianity. Right? So they continue to practice some of the rituals of their ancestral worship. And they, and, and, but they also go to church on Sunday. And they also pray to God. But at the same time, they practice the rituals. They visit the shamans. They mix up the potions. And they participate in witchcraft. At the same time as they do sing, Shout to the Lord and Amazing Grace. And all the songs of the faith and the hymns of the faith. Right? So there's a blending between their ancestral worship and the worship of God into this kind of worldview smoothie, this religious smoothie. And I've seen the impact that it's had in the lives of some of the people very vividly, uh, particularly on this last trip. And some of us look at that and we say, well, duh, right? You can't have those two things together. But what we don't realize is that here within the states, syncretism is just as prevalent as it is in the bush in Africa. Right? In our context, we blend the teachings of Christianity with economic systems. We blend the teachings of Christianity with political systems, our political parties. We blend the teachings of Christianity with our cultural idols and with our personal idols. We take it and we put it together in the blender and we push start. And it all gets mixed up into our own personal take on religion and on God. But Christianity is not a designer smoothie. It can't be. Joshua says you must choose. It's one or the other. And having a consecrated life, church, requires an intentional daily choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Right? Will you serve the gods of your political party or will you serve the Lord God? Will you serve the gods of an economic system or will you serve the Lord God? Right? Will you serve leisure and comfort or will you serve the Lord God? Which one will win? Right? Will you make memories in 2023 through travel and leisure? And I hope you do, but will some of those memories from 2023 also be memories of ministry, of giving your life, opening your life to others? Who will you serve? In the coming year. So a consecrated life is one that is wholly devoted to the Lord. That must be chosen day by day by day. And if we're going to choose it day by day by day. Then listen we need a fuel for it. Something to drive it forward. And I believe Joshua shows us that in the text as well. And what I, the way I would say it is this way. Is you've got to fuel this choice with gospel truth. Fuel this choice with gospel truth. Listen, I, I, I want us to follow the story that leads to the therefore in verse 13. Uh, or verse 14, I'm sorry. Because in verse 14, there is a therefore, right? And some preacher much more pithy and wise than I has said in the past, right? When you see a therefore, you've got to look to see what it's there for. And so it's pointing to something back, 
that's already been said to give you the conclusion of what has been said. And so if you look back at verses 1 to 13 of Joshua chapter 24, it's going to recount the history of Israel, as I said, in that Cliff Notes version. In verses 2 to 4, he tells the story of the patriarchs, of how God chose Abraham, brought him out of the land of the Chaldeans beyond the river into the land of Canaan, and how God gave Abraham Isaac, and to Isaac he gave Jacob, and he gave them these descendants, the patriarchs. He tells their story. In verses 5 to 7, he tells the story of their deliverance from Egypt. He says, Jacob went down into Egypt. They became enslaved. Then I sent Moses and Aaron down to deliver them, bring them out of Egypt, the people out of Egypt. And when the Egyptians pursued them, I collapsed the walls of the Red Sea around them to destroy them and to deliver, to destroy the Egyptians and deliver my people. In verses 8 to 10, he tells the story of Israel's time on the other side of the Jordan River as they wandered and lived among the Amorites and the Moabites. He says, there was even a Moabite king who sought to secure a prophet to pronounce a curse upon my people. And he says, but I wouldn't have it. I shut my ears to it. And in fact, in fact, through the donkey, all right, through the donkey brought a blessing upon my people rather than a curse. In verses 11 and 12, he tells the story of the fall of Jericho, the conquest of Canaan, and how it was not the weapons of Israel that drove the peoples from the land, but it was the Lord. In verse 13, he reminds them that it was the Lord who gave them the land on which they had not labored, cities they had not built to dwell in, vineyards and orchards they did not plant, but now enjoy the fruits and the olives from. And then in verse 14, he says, Therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him with sincerity and faithfulness. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But for me and mine, right? We're going to serve the Lord. That's what he says. Some of you have that on the door, above the door frame of your home, right? For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the question then is this, church, as you read through all the miraculous works that God has done, all the ways that he has flexed on Israel's behalf, how could you not serve the Lord? In verses 1 to 13, we see that the agent behind all that has happened from the time of Abram to the time of Joshua is the Lord himself. I want you to consider something. The word, the, the, the personal pronoun, I, one single letter, that word in reference to the Lord shows up 18 times in verses 1 to 13. 18 times. He says, I took, I gave, I sent. I plagued, I brought, I did, I gave, I destroyed. I would not listen to those who wanted to curse you, but made them bless you instead. I delivered, I sent, I, 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 I. It was I, God says. So the impression Joshua wants to leave with the people is this. You are not in the position you are in now by your own strength, by your own might, or by your own works. So that you have no reason to boast 
about what you have done. But you are in the position that you are in today, right now, because God has worked on your behalf. He has brought you to the place that you are. He is the one who's given you the land. He is the one who's given you the cities. He is the one who's given you the vineyards. You didn't raise your swords. You didn't draw your bows. He fought for you. He plagued the Egyptians. He drove out the people. He sent those to bless you. He did it all on your behalf. Now, some of this should start, be, should start sounding a little bit familiar to us. Because you get to the New Testament and you read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and, 8 and 9, for by what? Your works and your efforts and your strength and your weapons you've been saved? No, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You are in standing with God today, church, if you are in right standing with Him, not because, not because you worked to get there, but because He was gracious to save you. Or in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. His mercy, He withheld from us the judgment that we deserved. According to His great mercy, He caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He brought you to life. He caused you to be born again through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And he's got an inheritance that will never fade. It will never falter. And it's being kept for you in heaven. And he's keeping you for it even while you live here on the earth so that you can enjoy it one day in his presence. That's all his work. I, 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 says the Lord. That's why I say fuel yourself with gospel truth. If you're going to live a consecrated life, you have to continue, continue to look back and remind yourself of what God has done. That it's by His grace and by His mercy that you are saved and born again. That it's by His kindness that you have come to repentance. As Paul would say in Romans chapter 2. That he's been gracious and merciful. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. All demonstrated through his faithfulness to keep his own covenant that he made with Abraham. Whenever he said, Abraham, if you refuse to keep, if, if I break covenant with you, Abraham, may I be killed. And if you break covenant with me, Abraham, may I be killed. And when Abraham breaks covenant with God, God himself is crucified in the second person of the triune God, Jesus Christ. He is torn in two on our behalf. He did it. Who else are you going to give your life to that has loved you in that way? That has provided for you in that way? Who has been gracious to you 
in that way. So in 2023, fuel yourself with gospel truth to choose every day to live a consecrated life, wholly devoted to the service of God. Sit under gospel preaching. Saturate your home with gospel truth. Talk about it. Look for what comes. Listen, one of the ways it's very practical as you read the Bible in 2023 to saturate your life with gospel truth is this. Look for what comes before the therefore. <laughs> okay? All throughout the Bible. Almost exclusively what comes before the therefore. Because the therefore says, this is what you should do. But what comes before the therefore is, this is why you should do it. Because this is what God has done. Remind one another in your life groups of God's powerful working in your life. Speak about it to one another. May your salvation, as miraculous as it was, never grow old or dull in your life. That is the most potent fuel for a consecrated life. What will you devote your life to in 2023? There's lots of things you can devote your life to in 2023. You can devote your life to a political party. You can devote your life to an economic system. You can devote your life to being as healthy and as wealthy as you could possibly imagine. You can devote your life to fulfilling all your dreams and hobbies and traveling to all your right uh, bucket list destinations in 2023. But none of those, none of those will love you the way that the Lord God has. None of those will provide for you in the way that the Lord God has. Consecrate your life to Him in 2023. May it be a year 